Living a life set apart. That's what I want to speak on uh, this morning. And um, we, are we live? All right. So what does that mean? What does set apart mean to you when you hear that for the first time? You know, a common perspective of being set apart is that we be removed or segregated or separated physically from the world. And I'm here to tell you that that's not the model that Jesus demonstrated for us in the Word of God. You can read about it. Jesus was set apart spiritually better than anybody who walked the planet had been before. But make no mistake and read the stories. He was in the world every day. And I'm not talking about removal being wrong in the sense of referring to rest or respite or sabbatical. I mean, Jesus himself went away to pray, right? I'm, I'm, I'm reminded by the, the story in Matthew 14, around verse 23, where, where Jesus goes off to pray after he fed the 5,000 people and he sent the, the disciples out to see and he went away and prayed to God. That was an example of a point in time where he knew that he needed to recharge. He needed, he needed that life-giving uh, pep talk with God. You remember what happened when he came out of that? He walked on water. Woofta. Now there's a good example and a good reason for why we might want to set ourselves away for a while and, and really read the Word of God, pray, and, and let God energize and invest in us. But to do what? To go and minister. To be ambassadors, to be life givers in our circles of influence, in our spheres of influence. And if you really think about that definition of being set apart as, as removal, it's got a lot of negativity to it. If we think about removal, what, what are some of the reasons that we might want to remove ourselves from uh, the world? Physically. Temptation, right? Safety from trouble. No distractions like this thing. Good grief. We haven't got this thing fixed yet. Elders, can we put that on the budget? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you think about the Pharisees too, they removed themselves, right? So there's this, uh, did I, yeah. So there's removal is pious. You know, now, now we're starting to get into the ugly things of remove, removing ourselves from, from uh, being tools of the Lord Jesus Christ to minister the gospel in our spheres of influence. We don't want to remove ourselves completely from that physical aspect and call that we have to operate in our giftings in the places that God has set us apart to minister His good works to in this world. It starts... It starts here, starts individually, goes to your family, goes to your church, goes to your workplace, goes to areas like southwest Minnesota, and outward to the ends of the earth. But it all starts right here. So don't be pious. Don't be selfish. 
We are here for Him. We are here for you. We sing that song. We are here for Jesus. And He wants to invest in us. And He wants to actually exploit the gifts that He's put inside of us to do His good works. He actually wants us to exploit the positions that He's given us in church, in family, in work, in family, to share the gospel, to be good ambassadors for the truth of His Word. If you go to the next slide, I want to just um, read a portion of Scripture that, that Jesus prays. And He prays for his, his close followers, and He also prays for us. And it's found in John 17, uh, 20 through 26. It goes like this. And I apologize for the small uh, print there, but it's, again, if you want to follow in your Bibles, it's John 17, 20 through 26. Here's Jesus. I do not pray for these alone, meaning his uh, close followers, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be as one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. Underline this, highlight this next part, take note of this next part, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For, I, for you loved me before the foundation of the world, O oh, righteous Father. The world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me, and I have declared them to your name. And I will declare it, that the love which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. What a glorious picture of unity. Amen? I mean, Jesus is like, I can't believe he's not on his knees, pleading with the Father to make this happen. This, this is a... This is a word about unity. Jesus is praying for unity. He so desires for us to know Him so that we can know the Father. And why? So that the world may know who He is. That is our job. And we can do it well. God has created us all differently. God has set us apart to do the good works of His truth, of His gospel in a spiritual sense. But that does not mean removed completely from the world. I mean, think about this. Lock yourself in a closet for six months. Sure, you eliminate distractions. You might read the Word. But the question is, would you be doing what God has called you to do? If you're locked in a closet... Praying and singing and reading. I'm, look, I've got to be really careful with that because there are times that, that people do that. But if you're, if you're doing that to run away, like Jonah ran away, you're going to find yourself in the proverbial belly of a whale. God has called us to use our gifts, to use our positions. And I, as I look across the congregation, I see some, some pretty awesome gifts out there. God has skilled us and given us experiences to associate 
our environment, our lifestyles, our, our giftings with the truth of Jesus Christ. I'll talk about that in a minute, but before I do that, um, you guys are good. Mike, you're good. I want to just give some examples in Scripture about being set apart. And I'm not going to ask you to go to all of these Scriptures, but if you want to write them down and check me out later, that'd be great. The Levites were set apart in Numbers Numbers, uh, chapter 8. Aaron was set apart in 1 Chronicles 23. And look it up to see what what that actually means. Musicians were set apart in 1 Chronicles 25. Jesus was set apart in John 10.35. Saul and Barnabas were set apart in Acts 13.2. Now, Saul and Barnabas would be a great example. These guys were not in their closets. They were in front of people a lot. And it landed them in, in persecution and even in jail. They were serious about being set apart for the truth of the gospel in their spheres of influence. Paul was set apart in the Gospel of Romans. You can go to Romans 1.1. In Hebrews, there's a, a portion on priesthood, being set apart as, as a priest. That, that is available for you and me. Galatians 1.15 and 2 Timothy 2.21, which I'll reference later. But my, my whole point in, in, in trying to outline this perspective and, and just give a a broad range, a broad scope of examples of being set apart is that this kind of set apart is marked. God has marked these individuals to do great things in the kingdom of God, not removed them to be separated from His creation. We are marked to carry truth into our spheres of influence. So what are you marked for? What are you called for? Well, if you're saved, number one, you're a child of God. What a position that is. God looks upon us as His children. He wants to invest in us and and, uh, use us to make Him famous. That's a pretty awesome gig, amen, to be a child of God. But within that, what are you marked for? Jesus was a carpenter by trade. He fished with fishers of men and made them, or fishers of fish. He fished with fishers of fish and made them fishers of men. That's pretty cool. I mean, I love that picture of God meeting us right where we're at. And he associated the, the, some of the disciples anyway, their trade with the kingdom of God. Something they could easily associate with and understand to. That's pretty awesome. And I don't care if you're a salesman, a teacher, a janitor, a doctor, a manager of finances or people. There, is, there are gifts and experiences that you have that people need to associate those paradigms to the truth in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm looking at a few of you. Dallas. You're a plumber. I need a really brave soul. I didn't totally think I was going to do this, but I, I got to do it. I need a brave soul. I mean a really brave soul. Okay, oh, a sort of real... Thank you, Johnny. 
Um, you still got somebody to forgive? Are you willing to write that person's name down in this paper or the event? Okay. No, you don't have to tell me. Okay. I plug my ears. Write that down, please. And don't tell anybody. Nobody needs to know. It's between you and God. Fold it. Now if you walk down this aisle, straight out those doors, take a left into the men's bathroom and flush it down the toilet. <laughs> Dallas, we'll get back to you. I'm looking at a couple farmers out here. You guys do anything on a day-to-day basis that you could associate to how maybe the gospel could be ministered in people's lives? Planting seeds, fertilizing them, providing them nutrients. Hopefully you get a couple breaks at the weather and all of a sudden there's fruit to bear. What a picture. You can tell stories that other people can't tell. What about fixing equipment? Maybe being creative. There's a, there's a number of things that you guys experience every day that you can probably help other farmers with or maybe young people to tell about the goodness of God's creation. I mean, a seed that, that appears dead several months later provides life and sustenance in a remarkable way. There's an insurance salesman. Stand up and give me a hug, Ben. (laughs) I haven't quite figured out what you could associate. (laughs) Mothers, wow. Mothers with babies. Hey. She's going to have a lot of experiences that she can use as testimony, as examples to the truth of Jesus. Somebody in radio, communications, distribution. Holy cow. Do we need to distribute the gospel in unique and new ways, right? Oh. My daughter's not here this morning. My daughters, my two daughters, Olivia and Odessa. Uh, They're playing volleyball. Mindy and I have talked about this and wondered, gosh, is that the right thing to do? Pull them away on a Sunday. We stay very close to our daughters. We read with them, we pray with them, we do the the parenting thing and worship with them in our great room. but then there, there are those choices that we make. And um, it became very real to us at the state tournament game here a couple of weeks ago when Mindy got a text from Olivia. She was gone all week, at 6 o'clock in the morning, and she says, Mom, <laughs> two more people added to the kingdom. It was awesome. <laughs> Amen. And so here I am making a, a judgment about Jeepers. You know, how much are we pulling our kids out of stuff in church? And, you know, the important thing is that the relationship does not stray. 
we have to, as parents, we have to make sure that our kids are tuned in, that they're, that they're reading, that they're spending quality time in worship with their Savior. But I need to set her free a little bit to do what God's called her to do. I need to set Odessa free a little bit to do what she's called to do. And when they operate in their spheres of influence, I think to the sacrifices and the, the pain and the suffering that you know, goes on with um, not just sports, but work and all the things we do. Sometimes we say, oh, this is hard work. Is it worth it? Doggone it, it's worth it. Johnny, you back? You should ask Dallas what kind of mess it would take to retract that forgiveness. There's a good story for you. Use your imagination. That gets pretty ugly. But look, we all as individuals have a tremendous capacity to make an impression on one person, right? One, I mean, just think about this. I, I think I used multiplication last time I spoke or the time before, the principle of multiplication. And I think it's worth, um, you know, just describing again. If you, if you preach to 100, if you've got a pen, write this down, because I just think this is remarkable. If you preach to 100,000 people, in a day, every day for 16 years, and you get a 4% response rate, okay? So imagine me as a public speaker, a minister of the gospel, that I, I, every day I'm, I'm preaching. And I'm, I'm putting the salvation call out there, and 4% of the people are responding. In a matter of 16 years, it, will, it would yield a response of, 23,360,000 converts. That's fun. Now imagine this, though. If I wasn't a preacher, which I'm not, but I'm operating in my spheres of influence and I'm convincing one convert for six months and investing into them, and then I take the next six months and invest into another one, while this one invests into one. And then six months, do you know where I'm going with this? Okay, so we're talking about multiplication now. We're investing and mentoring into people, two people per year. If we allow that to go out mathematically, there's probably some mathematicians in here. Addison, you like stats yet? You could do this one. Dr. Addison Lawrence over here. Uh, my friend and, and now a colleague, he's a scientist, and scientists care a lot about stats, so he might want to check my math here. But nonetheless, if, if that goes on, six months, mentor somebody, six months, mentor somebody, and then pop, 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 pop. For 16 years, remember that the first approach was 23,360,000. This approach would reach four billion people and the room goes silent now tell me that you don't have the capacity to change the world multiplication begins small 
but ultimately it yields greater results, not just in number, but in quality. When you're spending time with those that are converting, you help them figure out that they are marked. They are marked by the Lord Jesus Christ to have a purpose, to have vision, to change the world. Rick, you got a purpose, don't you, brother? I remember talking to Rick a few years ago, and it was like the Holy Spirit told me to just look this brother in the eyes and tell him that he, Jesus has a purpose for him, even in his workplace. And he starts inviting people over to Thanksgiving and sharing the, sharing the news at work and outside of work. And uh, just a, a great picture of somebody who just actually believed it. Let's believe it. I want to talk about one more thing. Comparison. Comparison, you can think about as the anti-set-apart. There he is. I'd really like to be a pilot some days. I really would. I mean, how much closer are you to God at 37,000 feet, Alan, than we are right now? There would be a lot of people in a lot of trouble if I was a pilot. I was telling Alan before, uh, before the service here, I, I, I have sometimes trouble when I get revved up about something I really, really like to talk about, about staying on track. And I um, thought, boy, that would be a really bad thing to uh, bring to the table if I was a pilot. <laughs> Got to stay on course, right, Alan? But if I spend all my time wishing I was Alan... That comes at a pretty drastic expense. God has called me to reach leaders, to inspire the heart of leaders to do great things with their, with their talents and to, and to reach levels of, of uh, potential that bring glory to God's name. So uh, my spot in life is not Alan's spot in life. Of course, Alan's a leader, But Alan has unique skill sets as a pilot that I probably will never have. That doesn't make me wrong. That just makes me different. It doesn't make Alan wrong from not being a farmer. It just makes him different. Thank God God has equipped the church with a variety of skills, amen? A variety of personalities. I'd like to look to 2 Corinthians 10. And I'll have, I'll have this up on, on the screen. You can turn there also if you like. But here's what it says. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another they, and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond our limits, but we will boast only with regard to the area of influence God has assigned to us to reach even you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you. For we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that your faith increases. As your, as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged, so that may, we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. Let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. 
For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. God has equipped us to do great things, each and, each and every one of us. He's equipped us to do something today, and he's equipping us to do more tomorrow. Again, if you are saved, you are a child of God. If you are not saved this morning, I would highly encourage you to find myself or one of the elders after the church. And we can walk you through how that is possible. And it will be a step through a door that you walk through that will change your life. The goodness, the mercy, the love that you experience in your soul when you decide to obey the Lord Jesus Christ is euphoric. I don't know how else to describe it. It's life-changing. So if you're saved, you're a child of God, and you're set apart to do His good work. Again, He desires to invest in you. So it's really important to take that seriously, to really define your calling. I mean, I've heard it. I've heard people, I've said it myself. God, why do you got me here? I want to be there. Oh, it's like a punch to the gut when I really get convicted by the Holy Spirit on that issue. Because God has designed me and placed me in very important parts to carry out his, his will, his gospel, right? He may be preparing me for something down the road. He may be using my skill set and my position and whatever right now today to bring him glory, but it's all in preparation to do something else in the future. That's certainly not outside of his uh, way of doing things. But define your calling, and I encourage you to write this down. Wherever you're at today, wherever you're at in, in your job or in your family, write down what it is that God has called you to do and really pray into that. Seek to understand through Scripture, through prayer, through worship, what it is that He wants you to do and how it is that He wants you to maybe translate or transfer your life experiences to others in order to give them a better picture of who Jesus really is. Man, that's an awesome call. All of us are ministers of the gospel. Not just pastors, not just elders, not just leaders in the church. Every single one of us. If you're sitting here, I guarantee you, guarantee you, that you have the power to influence people. Whether you, Charles Barkley, whether you like it or not, you are an influencer of people. You can influence people with your demeanor. You might not even know that you're influencing people, whether you're happy or sad. But every single person here, we got to take this seriously, church. Every single person here has the power to influence others. If we do a good job in our spheres of influence, the results of that should be that people are getting to know Jesus. They're discovering Him. They're experiencing Him uh, in ways that they never thought possible. And the results of it are repaired lives. The results of it are lives that bring glory to Him. Why? So that others are attracted to Him. That's what this is all about. We are ambassadors of His. 
We want to see more people drawn to the kingdom of God. We want to see more people accepting the goodness of who Jesus Christ is and obeying what he has written in his word. So define your calling, then learn about it. If God's called me to be a pilot, which he hasn't, but if he would, I know I would have to do a lot to prepare to fly planes, emotionally, intellectually, and probably even physically. So it's important to define our calling, but it's also important to understand what are the things that I need to position myself in in order to do my calling well. If my calling is to give advice or counseling, I really ought to try to prepare my mind and and read some godly instruction and, and books and certainly the Word to help me in my calling. Because I don't know about you guys, but I don't have it. <laughs> i got to learn it. Some of it's hands-on, some of it's intellectual, some of it's just begging God to help me with my inadequacies or my shortfalls. But learn about your calling. Live it out. Don't be afraid to live it out. Don't stick yourself in a closet until you are absolutely sure that you're ready. Because you know what? You'll never be ready. Live it out. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there under the grace of God. Put yourself out there. Take some chances with your gifting. God will bless it. And then lastly, do be open to the possibility that God may be using your current calling for a greater calling. Kenny, how many jobs have you held at Relco? You can talk to Ken more about that. Jeremiah 1.5. Great Old Testament verse. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God knows us. He's not fooled. He's got a plan for us. And this whole picture of separation versus unity is the context that I view set apart in. Set apart is all about unity and none about separation. Being set apart for the truth of the gospel is to be unified with His Holy Spirit, to be unified with God, to be unified with Jesus, to be unified as the body of Christ, to minister the gospel to the world, to convince people, to draw people to His love. Before He formed us in the womb, He knew us. Before we were born, He set us apart to do the things that you're doing today. 2 Timothy 2.21 Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy. And here it is, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. 
when we're taking our set-apartness seriously and we're defining what that is and we're learning about that, what, what that is and we're living out what that is, it's very important that we're doing that in the context of our relationship with Jesus, in the context of Scripture. We can't get outside of those bounds. We are marked by Jesus Christ, His Holy Spirit, the Word of God, governs everything that we do. So we cleanse ourselves from what is dishonorable. And then we can use, be used as an honorable vessel, set apart to do the good work that He's called us to do. So lastly, again, this is, this is about unity. Why? So that the world may know. Living a life that is set apart is aligned with unity, not separation. So that the world will know that Jesus is who He said He was. So that the world will know and be attracted to the love and the mercy of Father God. If you're sitting here, you've got unbelievable potential and value in God's eyes. We're children of God, church. He looks at us like we're His prized possessions, His kids. And it doesn't matter how many times you fail. We sung a lot of songs this morning about us failing Him. But the real demonstration in that whole discussion is that He never fails us. Ever. You have tremendous value in God's eyes. Tremendous potential to work for Him in your spheres of influence. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 20 years or two days. You have tremendous value in God's eyes and tremendous capacity to change others' lives, to impact the kingdom for His glory. And again, whether you like it or not, you're going to influence people. You're going to influence people. That is one thing that we cannot change. We're going to influence people. So with that, I, I really hope you're encouraged. I, I hope this didn't come across or sound like uh, you know, a scolding or anything like that. If it, if it was, I'm sorry, it wasn't. I'm trying to say, guys, we have unbelievable potential to bring God glory in southwest Minnesota. We have unbelievable potential to bring God glory to the ends of the earth. It starts close. It starts with this multiplication principle. You get your, yourself right, your heart right, and then you invest into others. Think of the snowballing effect, the potential to grow the kingdom of God right out of this place. It's an awesome thing and one that I hope we all take seriously. Will you all stand?
I'm not going to ask anybody to do anything crazy or special like uh, raise, raise your hand or, um, you know, come up here. I, I like the idea of that, that level of commitment, but I just don't really feel like that's um, something we're going to do this morning. But if, if this did speak to you, if the Holy Spirit spoke to you through these words and these slides, I'd encourage you to take two hours today or tomorrow. Don't let it get into Tuesday. Take two hours today or tomorrow and write some of these things down. Write down, start with just praying and thanking Him for the position that He's brought you to today. And write down the things that that you feel that God has put in front of you, either in a skill or in a position that you can use for His glory. And I don't know what's going to happen from there, but I have a suspicion that the Holy Spirit will use it for good, that the Holy Spirit will use it for His good pleasure. Father, I thank You so much for Your goodness and Your grace. Lord, I thank You for the extravagant love that You have for us and the extravagant desire You have to use us, to bless us with gifts and talents and positions to serve you in great, great ways and in ways that the world watches and looks at and doesn't see the man but sees you behind us. Lord, we don't want to take credit for anything that you've given us, Lord Jesus. But we also don't want to be bashful about what you've given us, God. Lord, you have put some awesome things into the skill sets of people here. You've put some awesome things into the hearts, into the minds of people that are here this morning. Lord, as you've planted these things in our heart and in our mind, we pray against the enemy in the name of Jesus. Any force that would attempt to steal the visions the purposes that you have in our hearts and minds. Lord, we just ask in the name of Jesus that you would bind those forces and cast them out of our presence. Lord, because this is all about you. Lord, help us to be bold. Help us to live out these things that you've placed in our heart. Lord, and give us the the discipline, the energy, the motivation to start writing these things down, to start getting really serious about our job here as individuals, as small groups of people, as a body, and as the church, the church of Jesus Christ impacting the world for the kingdom of God. I thank you. I thank you for the food that we're about to eat. Lord, I think about the awesome things that surround food. I love food. Lord, and I love what food does to, to enhance and, and establish and develop relationships. Lord, so we thank you for the opportunities that, that you're giving us right now to, to enjoy the food that's been prepared, to enjoy the relationships that you're preparing. Help us to keep your word, Lord. Inspire us to do great things and to reach potential that you've given 
to live abundant lives for your glory. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you.